Hello, people of the world. Episode 29. I'm flying solo again. Now, people of the world, that's what I'm calling you for the time being. You know, we've had this on and off. Who are you as a collective? What are you as an audience? Now, um, one of my previous guests and my good friend Tony Higgins of Holby and Casualty fame has suggested that I call you guides. So we've had guidees, guiders, and he said guides, which in the UK means, brings to mind um, uh, girl guides in uniforms and um, swearing allegiance to the Queen. Which is not necessarily what I want you to do. Well, you can swear allegiance to this queen. <laughs> Ooh, it's lame. It's a beautiful sunny autumn day and it's episode 29. And thank you for joining me again. Um, and if you do have any names of what you might think you'd like to be called as a collective, please do forward them to me. Um, I'm sure you're like, just call us what you like. It doesn't really matter. But anyway, um, episode 29 back. Now, just to say, um, I'm going to be going bi-weekly for a while um initially because my life is amping up a little bit at the moment um with the busies and so really until i get some sponsorship i can't really dedicate as much time as i'd like to this podcast um i know this is a kind of a common theme throughout podcasters and, and as as an indie podcaster um it is quite difficult and so if anyone has any bright ideas of sponsorship or ways to enable me to make this a slightly more full-time, which I'd love to do, to give and, and travel the world and interview people and, and make this podcast a, a kind of the other thing I do all the time, then let me know. Um, please get in touch. I know lots of podcasters have tip jars and you probably listen to other podcasts and you do hear some people talking about tip jars. I'm not quite so sure how I feel about that. Give me another month, maybe I'll change my mind. But at the moment I kind of feel like if anyone's going to be giving to something it should be to charity and I will be putting details at the bottom uh, on the show notes uh, for how you can donate to uh, I'm doing a night walk with my sister and my friend Andrew Haler, who's also been a previous guest, um, to raise money for Alzheimer's Society and kind of dedicating the walk to the uh, to my mum's uh, plight to uh, her vascular dementia journey, shall we say. Um, so I will leave details to that. But as as far as tipping people for a podcast just for being good podcasters, I don't know. We all need to make a living. Anyway... Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm going bi-weekly for a week, for a while, for a wee while. Um, if you do have any thoughts on how you feel about me going bi-weekly, um, then do let me know. If you feel that you want to have a, uh, that, you know, it really should always be weekly, then, um, share your thoughts with me. Um, I'd like to know. Um, so anyway, so for the time being, that's the way it will be. Um, since our last podcast... Um, which was with the marvellous Mr. Lawrence Wenzel. Hello, Lawrence, if you're listening. Um, we've had a my one of my my very good friends, Tom and Cat. They had a wedding in the venue that Keith and I are going to be getting married in. So we kind of got to see it in action. But it was a wonderful day, um, and it was lovely to be around lots of um, old faces and meet some new faces. So it's generally a good good fun day. Um, we've been busy with our own wedding, 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 wedding. 
is that a word wigging that's that's wedding organization um chopped down into one uh wigging organization um so yes we're busy that and realizing how that amps up very quickly and how we've got so much to do even though it's march and you think it's miles off months off but it's there's 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 a hell of a lot um so that's busy i've been doing some work for tfl for those of you outside of london tfl stands for transport for london and the job the work that i do for them is is not very interesting um but it brings in the cash and um i do get to work with some lovely people um and um and there are worse ways to earn a bob shall we say so yeah anyway so back doing that teaching's being a l- little bit low on the ground because well essentially for many reasons but one of the main reasons being and the theory seems to be throughout a lot of language schools in the london and southeast area that is uh, schools are reluctant to send students to cities like london at the moment for fear of terrorism and i kind of get it but at the same time my message to all of those if any of you are listening and you are teachers thinking about sending people to london don't be afraid because you know every big city in the world is now possibly under threat um so i don't think anywhere is massively safe as far as big cities are concerned so anyway not saying that i again i don't want to be a doom merchant but um i hope that uh, faith is restored relatively soon and uh, i can get back into that swing of that a little bit more um anyway um acting wise yes i've started doing a bit of script study for the new play the tour of the show i'm doing get therapy and there will be more details on social media my website and the podcast again very soon um, as we get closer to the time and i start to promote it you'll see and hear me talk more um, and then i've been doing lots of really boring practical life stuff i suppose um things that really have to get done and uh, you know we all do it and we have to do it and that's kind of bogged me down time-wise a little bit so that's where we've been personally um i'm briefly going to touch on because i say i don't want to be um uh, do merchant but the the kind of the the horrific las vegas um shootings shooting this week taking place is i mean i've been there it's a place where people go to play it's like a disneyland for adults and if you've never been it really is just kind of big bright lights and lots of fun stuff and gambling and whatever you may think of that um and cocktail bars and clubs and and shopping malls and it's it's not a place for well not that anywhere it's a place for terrorism but i do consider and people might say well it's not a terrorist attack well anyway in my opinion it is because it fills people with terror that's the definition in my mind um you describe it however way you want but my heart um sincerely goes out to anyone affected everyone affected um and i hope that um that the recovery and the the healing process for the city and for people affected is uh, is fairly swift um anyway i'm not going to go into that too deeply um at the moment um i am being interviewed uh later today uh, by one of my previous guests, Mr. Tim Brown, um, the CEO of Goal, the Get Out and Live group over in uh, North Carolina. So I'm, uh, I, I will put details to that and uh, advise you to go and listen to that. And we may talk more on politics and things there. Anyway, 
episode 29, moving on this week, we're going to talk about um, gay playwrights and gay playwrights that have inspired me, that I've loved either performing in, uh, directing or just watching, um, and a little bit of history about those people because I've talked a lot about them but never really kind of specifically gone into their lives and um, so I think that's where I'm going to go a little bit today. Um, it won't be a massively long podcast um, as... Uh, I am running around like a mad thing, but I did want to make sure I got one out to you guys today. And this subject is something that I feel I want to talk about. But before we get to the topic of the week, um, I want to talk about some of the, uh, well, my recommendations as well. And there's one specific thing this week, which I can only say is going to do you the world of good. If you've been feeling down about the world, then this is something that is going to lift you. But before we get there... Uh, this week, album recommendation, an album I love by a lady called Kalila. And I don't know if I've mentioned her before. I probably have. Maybe I have. Anyway, she's just released her debut album. She's had EPs and singles out before and is kind of well known in the underground music scene. Um, but uh, I, I said so this album I absolutely love. I've only had it for two days and it's constantly on play when I'm traveling and the album is called Take Me Apart best track being one called Truth or Dare that's the best track um, and Kalila K-E-L-E-L-A is a little bit in the same vein as I I use these references quite often um, Kalise and Aaliyah uh, I suppose that's the closest things I can give you People call it alternative R&B. Whatever. You call it what you like. It's just good. Let's drop worry about dropping labels at the moment. Um, and she's from Washington, D.C. Lives in L.A. Um, has had a bit of a background singing jazz in clubs. Um, and I discovered her through um, an amazing track, which, please, if you don't want to go and just jump into an album, this track, individual track, Bankhead, um was the track that introduced me to her probably two years ago maybe three years ago um and it's genius genuinely genius bankhead by kalila and that's a separate thing to this album that's a good place to start so maybe think about that scribble it down put it into your phone and listen to it later um the uh, other couple of things a couple of shows that i love you know we do the netflix each week um, this week there's a show called The Good Place which stars Kristen Bell and Ted Danson and basically without giving too much away it's set in a post-death scenario and that sounds like it's going to be really miserable it's not, it's very funny it's very charming I've used the word charming again it's very charming um, and um, we pretty much watched the whole of season one in one sitting and it has... Initially, you think this is really funny. This is really charming. It's quite clever. Um, there's some. The cast is great. The characters are lovely, genuinely lovely. Um, in one way or another, I get. I can't say too much spoilers, but um, it has an amazing twist. You think it's going somewhere, and you kind of feel like you're settled with it, and then there's a twist. And I'm saying no more. Go and do that. Um, also, to the geeks in the audience, and I include myself in that. Hello, geeks. Um, I have 
begun the journey that is Star Trek Discovery. Now, I'm not a Trekkie. Um, I've done a play about Star Trek, about Gene Roddenberry's life, and did reenactments. And I, we had to study a lot of shows because we did direct reenactments from scenes from the various uh, versions of Trek over the years. And we also did a lot about Roddenberry's life. Um, but the new season, which I think has a Roddenberry as an executive producer, I presume his grandson, I think it's his grandson, anyway, should research that more, tick tick, um, is it stars uh, Sonequa Martin-Green from The Walking Dead, uh, last seen in The Walking Dead, um, but she's kind of the lead character in this, and her storyline is very interesting indeed. It also has Anthony Rapp from Rent fame. Um, uh, quite a stellar cast, really. Um, and I personally, I, I, I've loved the last couple of Trek films. Um, I liked that part, that franchise. And then, I mean, as a kid, I loved the original series. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and the music, the theme music, the original theme music is also included in the current theme. And it still gives me a little tingle up my spine and and somehow makes me emotional but then I'm a soppy one for things like that but the what it is it's, it's fairly political I suppose it's it's a bit like for those who know the reboot of Battlestar Galactica and I know a lot of my listeners um, are interested in that particular um, field and that it was it was about people it was about politics not kind of necessarily addressing world politics at the moment, but uh, without again, it's very difficult to say without spoiling. But um, it's it's clever, um, and it is it's about it's about human connection, or well, human. It's about entities connecting, shall we say? God, I'm just I could be digging myself into a real hole here so i'm going to stop all i'll say is um so far i'm loving it and i'm giving it five stars um so yes go and have a look at that and then finally finally this will lead us into this week's uh topic it's a film um and it's um well it's a i suppose for want of better description it's a coming of age film coming of age gay movie for want of better description, and it's called Handsome Devil, and it's just the film we need in the world right now. It's so uplifting. It's on Netflix worldwide, by the way. Um, it's been in cinemas. I'm sure maybe some of you have seen it already. Um, for those who have, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I can only say it lifted me, generally lifted my spirits, and I feel like I, I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, I'm going to sit down and make Keith watch it with me at some point soon. Um, it's it's an Irish film. Let's start there. Um, so it has a has an Irish spirit um, to it, which is always good. Um, it stars Andrew Scott, Ardlo Hanlon, um, and a new act. Well, new. I suppose he's not new to himself, but new to my mind, an actor called Finn O'Shea, who I think will probably seeing lots of in the coming years. Um, very good comedic actor um, and some lovely subtleties. Um, and very emotional. Um, the film is basically about um, it's a set in two, two two boys in a kind of a boarding school that's a bit rugby minded, a bit rugby obsessed. Um, 
and one of them is a music head a bit of a geek and the other is kind of the rugby rugger bugger um bit of an expert in that world um, and he's been moved the rugby boy has been moved from another school to this current school because of fighting um and really it's it's the, the whole thing is about i suppose it's about um friendship um and, and kind of true companionship and th- th- their friendship the two characters they have a friendship and it blossoms into something that it but it's not um it's a non-romantic friendship which is fairly rare in coming of age gay films uh probably a lot of coming of age films generally and to see a film that just has our two main protagonists and dealing with friendship against the odds i suppose is 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 where it where it's going um it's written and directed by john butler whose other films are <coughs> excuse me spaceman 3 and the stag um, it's just it's really clever it's funny it's upbeat um fast moving and you know as i say it's about friendship against the odds which is uh which are, and and positivity and friendship shining through which is exactly what i need in this day and age um and i say i i sobbed through the last five minutes of the film so um take of that what you will um, the soundtrack is great, um, and it's yeah one of the best films I've seen in years. Um, go and have a look at that. So it does, as I say, it leads me into um, this week's topic, which is is about gay playwrights, great gay screenwriters, um, and uh, the ones that have inspired me, and some of the most important ones in history, and how they connect to me. So that's where we are this week. So that leads me to the first um of my subjects this week um and i want to jump in and i've mentioned him before um he's come up because of my conversations with tempest du jour and uh, i mentioned him when i was talking to lawrence wenzel a couple of weeks ago as well um is mr harvey firstine firstine um i'm not great with pronunciations on some of the names but yes, that's how I've always known Feierstein. Harvey Feierstein. That's what I'm going to call him anyway. Um, and he is one of my all-time heroes. And um, the play Torch Song Trilogy has just been such a big part of my life. I still know um, a lot of the opening monologue of the very first part of that, the International Stud, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, to this day. And uh, I used it auditions and probably still use it will use it again um but um harvey won tony's for best actor in torch song trilogy um so he also wrote this um he's um had other tonys as well by the by uh for his performances edna turnblad in hairspray um and best book of a musical um that was um uh, Lacage Folle, and he's also written the book for Kinky Boots, which is a show that I've mentioned previously on the podcast, and uh, I can only recommend going seeing if you haven't. It's lots of fun, and it's more uplifting, like I was talking about the film just now. It's also as uplifting as that, and uh, made me cry with happiness. <laughs> it sounds like I'm just crying all the time. I am. <laughs> anyway, um, he was born in Brooklyn in 1963. Um 
and there's not a huge amount of information about him there's bits and pieces so I've kind of correlated a few other things that I knew already and then uh, kind of things that I've tried to find otherwise there's not a huge amount I think he's a fairly private person um, he has a Twitter account but I believe um, he's not a great follower of other people but he does uses it to promote things um, and pass comments on stuff um, we'll talk about his Twitter shortly again um, but yes in, in, in the early days of his playwriting he was also doing um, doing comedy kind of doing stand up and stuff like that and, um, and doing drag um, and the, one of the kind of most impressive things about him and that, that sort of first brought him to notice with me when I was initially going out and buying um, gay times and um, uh, daring to go into a newsagent buy gay publications from the top shelf bizarrely um, and I don't mean just the dirty things I mean genuinely any any gay publications were on the top shelf I think they may have moved down a couple of shelves now in uh, in the chain W H Smiths, the newsagent chain. I believe they're not all top shelf anymore. I think it's kind of in uh, men's interest. Anyway, slightly digressing. Um, so yes, reading about him early on and just thinking about what a brave and interesting gentleman. Um, say at the time when he was promoting plays, he did talk about stuff, but usually it wasn't not about him necessarily, but more about how he came to find the characters and where they began um and this is before youtube um that you should go and go and have a nose on youtube and find a bit more about him but um if you haven't read seen torch song trilogy i'm going to go there first then do the film is great um and if you ever get a chance to see the play um and hopefully it's a decent production do go and see it um but yes, the thing about him being brave was that he, he was always, in his professional career as a playwright, as a performer, he's never been anything but openly gay. Um, at a time when a lot of people still weren't. Um, uh, and, you know, it does, uh, and especially at that time, uh, he, 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 he he's done a lot of films, we'll talk about that later, but as an actor and as a voiceover, but um, he may have, who knows... Uh, done himself out of jobs for being honest but uh, I think a lot of people have only admired him and um, he is highly respected in the in the entertainment industry generally I would say um, and comes across as a very warm and genuine and uh, funny gentleman um, but yeah Torch Song Trilogy um, is basically it does what it says on the tin it's a trilogy, it's three plays um, International Stud is the first one Fugue in a Nursery is the second one, and Widows and Children's First is the third one. Um, and they're all connected by the main character, Arnold Beckoff, who is a Jewish drag queen. And it's kind of late 70s, early 80s, New York City. Um, in its full form, um, well, which is ooh, four hours long, I, I did a version uh, in the Lost Theatre in Fulham that was... Uh, slightly cut down to three hours many many years ago with a couple of cuts and then we did a, uh, an even more shortened and approved of shortened version of, of Torch Song at the Edinburgh Festival because obviously Edinburgh um, nobody sits and watches a show for more than an hour usually so we had it reduced down to I don't know what it was it's quite a while ago um, 
I've said it before, and I was a bit, I suppose I was a bit too young at the time um, to be playing him, but I loved playing the character. And I say he stuck with me forever. Um, and I got some great reviews and really good feedback. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe one day I'd like to perhaps look at directing it again. Anyway, we shall see. But the play, um, the play, the, the kind of parts, the International Stud and Fugue and Nursery were both done originally as separate pieces in the, in the late 70s off-Broadway. Um, International Stud, the first part, is a kind of monologue and then a scene with another character with a gentleman called Ed. Um, and they meet in this bar, International Stud, which is named after a real gay bar in Greenwich Village in the from the 60s and uh, 70s. Um, and some of it's quite explicit. And Tempest did talk about, uh, I think it was it was this particular show that he saw with family members and that um they were shocked by as you would be there are there is a, there is a section in it uh with the infamous line what am i going to do with the beer can i'll say no more than that it's great though it's very funny um and the first broadway production was in um 1982 um and so it'd been off broadway and this is kind of when it was the full three parts. Estelle Getty was in it actually, um, as his mother, uh, Estelle Getty from the Golden Girls, um, and it had quite a long run. It was um, I'm just looking up here, one thousand two hundred twenty-two performances. Wow. Um, it was also in London in uh, 1985, and Anthony Sher was playing Arnold, and Rupert Graves was playing Alan. Um, Alan was is in uh, Fugue and Nursery and Widows and Children first, that character, sort of. Oh, it's difficult. Yes, anyway, don't want to give too much away. <laughs> um, it's great, and the film version is great. And Matthew Broderick um, was initially in the play playing an adopted son, a character called David, and then... Uh, over the years, he when he ended up in the film, he then ended up playing Alan, which is one of Arnold's lovers, partners, lovers. Lovers makes it sound really seedy. It's not that. It's uh, very romantic. Anyway, his partner at the time. Um, so he went through two incarnations of that. And in that film is also um, Anne Bancroft plays the role of mother, takes over from Estelle Getty and played it. Um, and it did win Tony's actually, for, as I say, for the best play and for for him, for um, for Harvey for uh, best actor. So the play had a lot of life. And then um, other plays and other things he's involved in. There was a Safe Sex Suite, I think it was called eventually, but Safe Sex, and that again was three plays that talked about the AIDS crisis pretty much as it was happening at the time. And there's three plays: Manny and Jake, Safe Sex. And the one that I have also, we sat and did a reading of, I think, many, many years ago with the idea we might eventually put it on. And anyway, money and time and people stopped it from even being considered any further. But um, uh, it's basically about um, a man dies and his companion and the man's ex-wife have to divide his belongings up, basically. And the story, the play is really about how that brings them together and, and what connects them and and kind of a, a friendship that, that grows from that. Um, it was also a film, 
um, which was released in 89, 1989, with um, Harvey in it and uh, Stockard Channing. And I have it on VHS tape somewhere. Um, I don't know if it's available on DVD. I'm sure somewhere there is somebody has a copy. Um, I would love to have a look at it again. So if anyone knows how to get hold of it or has indeed has uh, found a way to find it online, uh, then do let me know. I'd love to look at that again. Um, so yes, he's written the book for, for many musicals. So as a writer, I mean, Lacage, uh, Newsies, which was a hugely popular um, show over in um, Broadway. Um, he wrote the teleplay for The Wiz, which was the 2015 broadcast, The Wiz Live. Um, and a play called Casa Valentina about um, this cross dressing resort in the Catskill Mountains in New York State and um, I've only read synopsises of this um, and I've never seen it and it was in Broadway in 2014 and it had a run in London in 2015 at the Southwark Playhouse um, and obviously I didn't get to see either and I'm very keen to to investigate that further um, so I'm going to try and get hold of that and read that so it, I love the fact that there's something um, of his that I haven't yet discovered so uh, looking forward to that I mean as, a, as an actor I mean he's done so much stuff obviously the film of Torch Song Trilogy he was in Mrs Doubtfire and any fans of that film will know exactly who he was in that Independence Day um, Bullets Over Broadway now <laughs> he's done a lot of voices and sometimes you probably wouldn't even realise it was him um, from everything from The Simpsons to Family Guy to Mulan and then he even voiced a character in How I Met Your Mother um, as I say he's uh, clearly quite a, a, a private person and apparently lives uh, in a fairly rural place in Connecticut um, and yeah and as I say I did discuss uh, a lot about Lacage and Torch Song with Tempest du jour and we did uh, how, how those things affected our lives and I mentioned it in a tweet trying to promote the um, the podcast with Tempest and Harvey acknowledged it and liked it and I think retweeted it but definitely and, and so that's as good as uh, you can expect from somebody who wants to keep private and not get into a into a feisty chat uh, online about things but um, I would love to one day quietly sit down and have a coffee with the gentleman and uh, and and just discuss his thoughts on the world, which I'm sure are very interesting at the moment. But anyway, so that's um, kind of uh, playwright and hero from the world of theatre number one. And have to give honorary mention to, um, and I'm not going to give him a whole uh, section because I've talked about him enough and I don't need to big up my friends um, but Mr Patrick Wilde um, of uh, What's Wrong With Angry the play that I was in and I've talked about a lot Get Real and You Couldn't Make It Up um, and he's in there with uh, all of these gentlemen uh, so I just had to drop his name in otherwise I would feel like I was being unfair because but anyway we've discussed those plays at length and uh, so thank you again Patrick and uh, just dropping you there in between Harvey and Mr Noel Coward now Noel Coward um, I have talked about on the podcast before um, his song London Town which I uh, posted a link to after the uh, the last uh, terrorist attacks on London um, 
and uh, was feeling very proud of my city and people in the city. Um, and it's one of my favourite songs, but also one of my favourite songs about London. But anyway, Mr Coward. Uh, Noel Coward was born in 1899 and he died um, in 1973, um, which in my mind isn't that long ago. I was still alive. He was still alive when I was a kid. Anyway, um, playwright, um, and he was an, also an actor and a composer and a director. Um, and, you know, I love, the thing I really love, I love his sense of comedy and, and timings. Um, that's the beauty of his work, really, is timing. And also the subject matters. And he was fairly, dealing with some fairly risque um, material uh, for the time. Um and um, he was born in, in South London, so my part of London, southwest, well, southwest London, so not far away, um, and was a child actor. Um, kind of came through that world to be where he was at the end of his career and life. Um, had 50 plays published, which I only just realised uh, because I had to check. I was like, oh, there's a lot. But with, with short plays and everything else um, and uh, verse, 50, 50 books of stuff anyway. Um, uh, plays that I particularly and that I suppose he's best known for and that I love the best are Blythe Spirit um, Hay Fever if you haven't seen that you must see that um, Private Lives which is always making um, a resurgence somewhere in the world go and see it if you get a chance if it's near you and then my favourite is probably Design for Living um, and that was uh, 30s, 1930s uh, on Broadway, first of all. And then a few years later, um, later in the 30s, 19, let me just check, oh, 1939 uh, in London. Um, basically, it's about, it's got a bit of a menage a trois twang to it. Um, it's about these characters, Gilda and Otto, and they kind of live in this boho lifestyle. Um and they are uh, fairly, yes, so very bohemian and, and loose in their ways. And Leo, who is one of Otto's friends, uh, comes in and then embarks on an affair with Gilda. And so that screws things up a little bit. Um, and it's set between New York City and London. Um, eventually, uh, Gilda leaves Leo and then marries another guy who's a little bit more stable called Ernest. There's a name that pops up a lot um, in my podcasts. Um, and um, eventually leaves. she leaves this guy because Otto and Leo come back into her life and cause mayhem. And then they say, then they kind of uh, run off into the sunset to have a, to have a, a menage a toi. And antics ensue. <laughs> it is it'd be actually one quite easy to spoil i've never heard of spoiling noah coward but anyway yes um and it weaves and ducks and it dives and it's just really clever and um and as i say for its time is it was extremely shocking so um i'd say go and check out if you haven't if you never get if you haven't had the chance I'm sure you will. And there are films of some of them. And um, I, I haven't, I see, I should probably search on, on Netflix, maybe even. Um, good old Netflix. But whether there's anything there uh, relating to Coward now, I'm not sure. But um, but his life, he was a, he was an interesting man. And he, in the Second World War, he apparently ran the British propaganda office in Paris during World War, sort of World War II. Um and uh, he'd also worked for the Secret Service for a while, which I guess makes sense as an actor and a playwright. 
Um, and but the thing is, and some people would may say to me, well, he was never completely out. But I mean, he was out within, use the word community, theatre community. Um, and he didn't officially talk about his homosexuality. Um, but it was always there in all his work. Um, I don't think he needed to say that much. I mean, after his death, um, and he died in, yeah, so 1973, um, people did talk about it a bit, and people still talk about him, um, and people that, there, there was a, one of his partners uh, wrote a piece, actually, um, that I remember reading uh, bits and pieces of many years later. Um, but I think you really just do need to see his plays to, to know who the man is, and to say, and, and very, very stylish, um, and very funny. So, yep, yeah, so that is number two, Mr. Noel Coward. And then next we have, and this one I've talked about, this one, this person I've talked about a lot. Um, I used to uh, actively try and, when I, when I was at drama school, I actually tried to dress like him. Um, well, I think I started out and just kind of it happened by accident. Then people told me that I did look like him and then I read about him, became fascinated by him and then kind of then did actively try and dress like him. There are pictures of me that um, are very Orton-esque, shall we say. So Joe Orton, um, fascinating character, fascinating life um, and very, very funny, uh, brilliant, um, brilliant playwright, a black comedy is his thing um and at the time i think a lot of audiences were initially shocked ended up winning lots of um awards for his work but um initially people were uh, a little bit dumbfounded but joe orton so yeah he was um he was born in 1933 in leicester um he was pretty much i mean from everything i've read that he was quite a sickly child and so he missed out on loads of school uh, I'm not quite sure whether the missing out in school and being sickly was uh, things of his own making, so he didn't have to go. But anyway, um, he didn't do well, didn't pass any exams. And so um, he was encouraged after school to go to secretarial college by his mum. And he started kind of... Uh, he did that for a while and then and during that time I suppose probably to entertain himself as well was uh, signed up to uh, some amateur dramatic companies um, and started to develop an interest in theatre and performing and at the same time he was also uh, started to become interested in his physique and he started to work out and do sort of bodybuilding stuff um, Obviously, because also his sexuality was rearing his head, and I think he realised he wanted to be an attractive man for men. Um, anyway, he uh, he got a scholarship to RADA, which stands for the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, for those in other parts of the world who don't know. Um, and uh, and yeah, initially struggled a bit with uh, with the acting, but. Um, uh, made uh, a companion in um, Kenneth Halliwell. Um, Kenneth Halliwell um, was also a student in at Rada at the same time. And now there is there is a film about all of this about their lives um, called Prick Up Your Ears. And I think 
I have mentioned it. I'm going to mention it again. It's an amazing film. Gary Oldman plays Joe, um, and is uh, is superb. Alfred Molina is um, Kenneth Halliwell. Um, uh, Julie Walters is in it as Joe's mum as well. Um, there's some interesting cameos in there, but it's it's a brilliant film. Um, uh, so I could only suggest to go and look at that. Um, if you want a kind of condensed version of the story, um, they so yes they 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 were they were lovers at Rada and then after they left Rada, and um, they both into went into uh, rep theatre repertory theatre work, um, as assistant stage managers um, briefly, um, but both had visions of being uh, famous authors, um, as well as actors, and so they returned to London and pursued that for a while and they. Nothing was ever published, um, but um, so yeah, they they were calling themselves authors, but they were working for various people. They worked for um, for Cadbury's for a while to save up some money so they could move into this. They were living in a flat in Hampstead initially with some other people, and they wanted a place on their own, and they moved into a flat in Noel Road in Islington, and the building's still there, the house is still there, so you can go and pay homage and respects at the house, um, there's a great pub next door, um, it's right by the canal, it's very pretty, um, it's also a place where their lives ended quite tragically, but let's not jump the gun, um, so while they were trying to be authors, and things weren't happening for them, um, boredom sent them into prankdom, shall we say, and amongst other things they did was they would dismember library books, sent, and then put them back into the library uh, with quite graphic pictures and language in the sleeve, um, and eventually they got caught, and they were prosecuted in uh, 1962, found guilty on counts of theft and malicious damage. Um, and they had uh, six months in prison, not together in the same prison. Um, and again, at that point, that's when Joe continued to to write um, on his own without the influence of Kenneth and continued to work out to build his body up. And uh, I think it might have done him some favours in prison, quite frankly. Um, then he... So, yeah, anyway... Um, that after prison joe came out very inspired and things kind of really quickly grew for them and plays well for him he started writing plays uh initially kenneth was involved a little bit and gave him ideas and there there was always a uh, arguments about how much uh how many of the ideas came from kenneth's mind um but anyway, the plays themselves, which is what we're talking about, um, some of my favourites, and probably again, I'm talking about the most popular ones, there's a few, but um, the ones that come to mind is Loot, which I directed. Um, I love that play. What the Butler Saw, which is one of the most famous ones, which again is performed around the world still to this day. Um, Up Against It, which was initially a script that Joe was writing for The Beatles. Um, but Brian Epstein did not take kindly to Joe writing scenes where the Beatles were all in bed together post-coital um, smoking marijuana, and that was frowned upon. 
<laughs> surprisingly. Um, so that didn't happen, but it ended up being turned into a play, um, developed into a play. And it was up against it, which is still out and around. Um, but the one that I really love and the one that I would say if you haven't ever seen any and you want to read or indeed go and see, and I'd love to perhaps maybe direct this one day, um, is um, Entertaining Mr. Sloan. And it's kind of the ultimate in black comedy. Um, and it's essentially about this very handsome, hot, young, what turns out to be a psychopath, um, uh, but very charming. And you don't initially know that. He just has extreme bravado. And he meets a lady in a cemetery who turns out to be his nymphomaniac landlady and uh, she offers him a place to live and she seduces him and then her brother also gets involved um, and again this is this could be very easy to spoil but Sloan has a very dark secret um, and uh, yeah and, and antics definitely ensue um, there are sections of the film Prick Up Your Ears that talk a bit more about this and uh, maybe they give things away but I'm not willing to do that so anyway so that is uh, things for you to go and discover but as far as um, the end of their life that was kind of the sad thing in the same house in Knoll Road in Islington um, on the 9th of August 1967 um, Ken bludgeoned Joe to death with a hammer and then committed suicide, uh, overdosed on pills. Um, he was extremely severely depressed. Um, and he kind of knew, He—he he, it seems like he knew that Orton was going to, ultimately was going to leave him. Orton had been very promiscuous through their relationship and had continued uh, to pursue sex in public places. Was If you read the diaries, which are fascinating, um, and sometimes you kind of think maybe he's a little harsh with Ken and I think he probably was but then Kenneth didn't do a lot to help himself I mean you know the dynamics it was it was it was a strange dynamic between them and it, for some for a period of time it clearly worked but by this point it, it wasn't working um, and Joe got a lot of self-esteem from going into public toilets and uh and participating in public sex and um and kenneth didn't like it and was professionally jealous of him emotionally jealous of him sexually jealous of him um and it built up and it built up and it ended very tragically this way um but as i say if, if you ever are looking for a long plane ride read something for if you've got lots of traveling to do i would say uh the diaries um of joe orton are a must read um, as I say, there, there, some of it you might it's, it's it's not it's not an easy read, and some of it's quite shocking, but it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I think he's a genius writer, very very funny, hilarious, in fact, and um, it's probably again for mainly for his comedy and also just for being a fascinating character is is probably not a hero. Um, is a hero, was a hero when I was younger, but is just somebody that I I think. Uh, we could do with more of these kind of writers in the world right now. Um, black comedy abounding all over the stage of the West End would be great.
But anyway, that's Jill Wharton. Now, I've realised that I could go on for hours. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a part two of this um, a few episodes down the line, um, probably nearer to Christmas, because there are so many people I want to cover. Um, I want to, again, give a couple of honourable mentions to people who I've talked about before in the past. Mr. John Marins, who wrote the play Temperamentals that I've talked to you all about doing before, about a group of 1950s activists uh, in Silver Lake in L.A., and kind of pre-Stonewall group, um, and it's a brilliant play, and I would love to do it again at some point. Um, and I say I've talked about it ad infinitum on the podcast, so I don't want to do it again right now. Um, but please do investigate that if it's at a town near you, um, and go back and listen to podcasts where I have talked about it at, at length. So I won't do it now. Jonathan Harvey, uh, Mr. Jonathan Harvey, um, who I had the pleasure of meeting a few years back. Um, and his play Beautiful Thing, uh, again, and also a wonderful film, which you can go and refer to, um, and I have talked about that. So, um, again, uh, please do go and do these things. When I say go and watch things, actually do note them down, and if you haven't spent the time, or if you haven't heard from them, if you are uh, from outside the UK, you may not necessarily have known about them, uh, go and investigate. Find them, DVD them, Netflix them. Anyway... Um, but yes, my last major uh, shout out respect to is Kevin Elliott. Kevin Elliott wrote one of my favourite plays of all time. And this is not just favourite gay plays. It's funny and it's moving. Um, and uh, it also reminds me of a particular time in my life. Um, so My Night with Reg by Kevin Elliott. Um, is set in the mid-80s, didn't come out to the mid-90s, but set in the mid-80s, um, kind of when the AIDS crisis was, it, well, I suppose, was at its height, really. Um, I've seen so many versions of this play, uh, and I don't think I've ever been disappointed. Um, the first time I saw it was 1994, and I think it was at the Royal Court Theatre. Um, I did see it again that year in the West End. Um Anyway, it's set in an apartment, and it's three different events that occur in this apartment. There's a um, a, a flat warming, uh, there's a funeral, and then there's, well, <laughs> there's another event that I'm not going to say because that would spoiler. Definitely too spoilery. Um, but it's brilliant, it's funny, and it's very moving. Um, it was turned into a film. Um, Kevin Elliott was born in Birmingham uh, in, uh, hang on, let's just see, 51, 1951. Uh, yeah, and... Um, he was inspired by seeing uh, Richard III at the RSC when he was 10. And that kind of launched his love of theatre. Um, he studied drama at Bristol University. Um, and uh, he started his career before uh, being a playwright um, and a screenwriter. He was um, an actor and had uh, success working with a company called uh, Gay Sweatshop. Um, and Gay Sweatshop was a company that when I was kind of a young man, I always uh, wanted to dreamed of working with. Um, they don't, they haven't existed to, they haven't existed since the end of the 90s, sadly. Um, but they used to perform um, at a lot of places in central London. Um, there was uh, a venue called the Drill Hall, which stayed uh, very gay themed for many years, even after Gay Sweatshop. But sadly, it's... Uh, well, the last time I went there, it was used as rehearsal spaces. 
um, and I think Rado, the drama school, used it. But anyway, um, gay sweatshops policy. I'm just pulling up their policy. I'm trying not to use too many notes. I'm trying to think from my own emotions, but I had to check this one. Their policy was to counteract the prevailing perception in mainstream theatre of what homosexuals were like. Therefore, providing a more realistic realistic image for the public and to increase the general awareness of the oppression of sexuality, both gay and straight, the impact it has on people's lives and the society that reinforces it. And that was their manifesto and that was in 1975 that was created, their manifesto. Um, anyway, so uh, Kevin Elliott started working with them as an actor and did some uh, work with them at the Bush Theatre in London. Um, he wrote his first play for them in um, 82 and interestingly enough, talking about Joe Orton, it was that point he was uh, taken under the wing. The same agent that Joe had, um, Kevin had, uh, Peggy Ramsey, who is famous, infamous, um, and uh, is portrayed in Prick Up Your Ears, actually, on the Joe Orton film. But anyway, um, he worked, uh, she was his agent for a while. Um, so uh, there's a common thread there. But um, yeah, so Kevin wrote... Um, he did various radio plays and screenplays. I mean, was uh, incredibly successful, um, always working. Um, in the early 90s, he translated um, a play by Alexander Orostrovsky, and it was called Artists and Admirers, and this was a big success for the RSC. Um, and then in 91 was when he was commissioned to write My Night with Reg. Um, and it was kind of uh, a big established hit by the mid-90s. And there is a scene, there's a film, My Night with Reg, go and watch it, because it is the original uh, Royal Court cast in that. Um, he followed up successes with um, other things at the National. Um, the Day I Stood Still, which is about, um, I suppose it's about um, unrequited love. Uh, 40 Winks, and he would say, like, a lot of screenplays... And then he wrote this place that was of oh, this place, this piece that was uh, had mixed mixed reviews. Um, it was called Clapham Junction. It was on Channel Four, which is one of the BBC stations over here. Um, and basically, it's five stories um, about very different things um, spread over a, a, a summer night. And there's um, civil partnership. So that just happened. Um, uh, there's a dinner party um, there's a lot of stuff that happens throughout it but it's kind of um, what else goes on uh, they're kind of all the stories intermingle um, there's a homophobic murder which is quite uh, I think people were I mean it was shocking and I think it was probably shocking for the right reasons um, I found the whole I found I found the piece very interesting I believe that still exists on catch-up uh, it was on all four catch-up um, it's something definitely to go and investigate and I think it's probably aged better with time as it's become some of the things that we're dealing with were quite fresh and raw at the time um, anyway Kevin Elliott have so much time and respect for he sadly passed away in 2014 um, he was in his early 60s. Um, he had complications with pneumonia. Um, so uh, the, very sad. But um, as I say, My Night with Reg uh, is probably one, 
one of the plays at the top of the list that you should go see as a play, but definitely see as a film. So the films you need to see are My Night with Reg, Beautiful Thing, and Prick Up Your Ears. So those are my three... So there you go, there's even recommendations at the end today. As I say, I want to come back and talk more about playwrights in future. I hope you have enjoyed listening. Um, and as I say, I, I do feel it's important to share this. I don't want to do every podcast about theatre. Obviously, that's my nature, and so that's what I talk about. But I do want to say, um, if you have any plays that you want me to read, that you would recommend to me, I would love and adore to hear them from anywhere in the world. Um, in fact, especially from outside of the UK. Um so anyway again gang thank you so much for listening keep listening keep subscribing and do spread the word and i say we will carry on this conversation about gay playwrights in the future but next week week after we're back again with another guest and i've got some great guests lined up and a little surprise in store for christmas all right cheers gang speak soon